Welcome to the podcast. I'm Casey. I'm Taylor. I'm Angelina. And I'm Stacy. And today we'll be discussing the history of racial injustices within the U.S. The United States is a world leader when it comes to the number of incarcerated, and that's not really a good thing to be the number one in. So, in the 1630s and 40s, John Punch was an indentured servant in Virginia who was willing to do almost anything to gain freedom. He chose to run away to Maryland with two white European indentured servants who worked on the same land, but they all ended up getting caught. They were punished 30 slashes and forced into indentured servitude contracts, but the two white men were sentenced to four more years, while Punch was ordered to be an indentured servant for the rest of his life. He was the first black man to get a punishment this severe. Of course, you know, after that, that's how slavery started. And then finally, in 1865, nearly, what was that, 200 years later? Mm-hmm. That's about right. Yeah. 200 years later, the 13th Amendment was passed, and it prohibited slavery. and allowed, But the loophole it allowed servitude to continue except as a punishment for crime. This loophole resulted in southern states passing the Black Codes to criminalize activities that would make it easy to imprison African Americans and effectively force them into servitude once more. First enacted in late 1865 in such states as South Carolina and Mississippi, the Black Codes varied slightly from place to place but were genuinely very similar. They prohibited loitering and vagrancy. Loitering being in the area for too long without an apparent purpose and vagrancy just simply not having a job, which is pretty hard to not do when you were an African-American just after slavery and you weren't allowed access to nearly any jobs. This idea was that if you're going to be free, you should be working. If you had three or four black people standing around talking, they were actually vagrant and and could be convicted of a crime and sent to jail. In addition to criminalizing joblessness in America, the codes required black people to sign annual labor contracts that ensured they received the lowest pay possible for their work. Slavery had been a pillar of economic stability in the region before the war. Now black codes ensured the same stability by recreating antebellum economic structure under the facade of a free labor system. The codes contain anti-incitement measures to prevent prospective employers from paying black workers higher wages than their current employers paid them. Failing to sign labor contracts could result in the offender (laughs) being arrested for vagrancy or loitering and then being sentenced to unpaid labor or fine. So basically... What it all did was you would you could literally just be standing there, and if you didn't want to work in a job that didn't pay you anything, you would get arrested, and then you just wouldn't get paid at all, and you were a slave again. So, mm, mm. <laughs> they were largely worked as sharecroppers, which entailed working the land of others, typically white people, for a fraction of the worth of the crops grown. Not to mention, they had to pay for their own equipment, which gave them virtually no net profit at the end. South Carolina, a law prohibited black people from holding any occupation other than farmer or servant unless they paid an annual tax of 10 to $100. Which, that's just... That's crazy. That's, mm, mm. Some states limited the type of property that a black person could own. While virtually all the former Confederate states passed strictly vagrancy and labor contract laws and the so-called anti-incentment measures designed to punish anyone who offered higher wages to black laborers already under the contract. 
These policies were slightly lessened during Reconstruction, but then Reconstruction ended, and Jim Crow laws came into play in potentially one of the most racist times in American history. And going back to sharecropping, it was a tenant farming was a dominant form of cotton south from 1817 to the 1950s among black and whites, but it has largely disappeared. After the war, plantation owners had to borrow money to produce crops. To say sharecropping paid poorly would be an understatement, and impoverished African Americans racked up debts in shops and charged them high interest rates on supplies they needed for tenant farmers, like I was saying before. Now I'm going to talk about an instance where a man was sentenced to slavery after the war, the Civil War happened in 1908. So on March 30th, 1908, Green Gottenham was arrested by Sheriff of Shelby County, Alabama, in charge with vagrancy, like we were talking about before. Gottenham had committed no true crime. Vagrancy is what sentenced him to three days behind bars, and then 22-year-old Gonum was found guilty in a swift appearance before the judge and immediately sentenced to a 30-day term of hard labor. Unable to pay the array fees assessed on every prisoner, fees to the sheriff, the deputy, the court owner, the witness, Gonum was sentenced to an incentive of nearly a year of hard labor just for vagrancy and because he couldn't pay it off. I don't know about you guys, but it sounds like the system's against him. What do you think? Oh, yeah. Just a little. Just a little bit. The next day, he was sold. Yeah. (laughs) Parents born from slavery. In return, the subsidiary, Tennessee Coal and Iron Roll Company, gave the county 12 months to pay off Totem's fines and fees. What the company's manager did with Gonham and thousands of other black men they purchased from the sheriff's house across Alabama was entirely up to them. In the mines, he was chained up for every waking hour of the day in dark coal mines and was forced to remove eight tons of coal daily. Failure to achieve this would result in harsh whippings. Within the the first four weeks, six died. Before the year was over, almost 60 men forced into Slope 12 were dead from disease, accidents, or homicide. This was 45 years after Lincoln's emancipation with the slaves. So throughout the Jim Crow era, African Americans were obviously targeted more than whites because of their race. Um, They were looked at as powerless when it came to law enforcement. They voiced a desire for police to be more involved in their communities to try and reduce crime, which resulted with more racial discrimination. Even though African Americans knew that police were more problematic with them as opposed to white people, they felt that they would still be able to minimize crimes in their communities. In the early 1900s, black citizens demanded better policing and engaged in behaviors designed to extract services from law enforcement officers in black neighborhoods. Southern states used prison farms as a legal means to continue white control over black people to secure their labor at little to no cost. Very few white men and women were ever sent to work under these farms. By assigning black people to work in the fields and on government works, this punishment for black people was approved by the state and visible to the public, while white punishment was kept behind prison walls. The courts approved of this abusive use of convict labor, labor, confirming the Virginia Supreme Court's decision declaration that an incarcerated person was, quote, a slave of the state. This era triggered a prison boom with 
prison boom with African Americans. From the late 19th century to early 20th century, African Americans made up 40 to 50 percent of the whole prison population. In the 1900s, when African Americans were moving more north, prison populations also increased. Between 1926 and 1940, prison population across the country increased by 67%, and it doesn't seem to be changing by much. Like Angelina was saying, nowadays, African Americans take up 16% of public school enrollment, but they take up 42% of multiple suspensions. African American students represent 31% of school-related arrests, and they are three times more likely to be suspended and expelled than their white counterparts. Students suspended or expelled for a violation at school are three times more likely to be in contact with the juvenile justice system the following year. Since the 1970s, suspensions of black high school students have increased 11 times more quickly than their white peers. Nearly 685 of all men in federal prison never earned a high school diploma. 449 African-American males were expelled in the 2013-14 school year compared to 247 white males in the same year. These stats are from North Carolina. Expulsion leads to higher chances of committing petty crime and eventually higher rates of incarceration. Connected to the school-to-prison pipeline, there's also over-policing. Over-policing of black neighborhoods is extremely prevalent in all areas of the United States, but let's talk about New York City. Politician Bill de Blasio has made a promise to ensure police take a less aggressive approach in black neighborhoods, yet this has not been fulfilled. Black neighborhoods across New York City are being policed at higher rates than white neighborhoods. In a study from 2018, researchers from Jay College found there were 5.8 enforcement actions against a black person for every enforcement action against a white person. For black Americans ages 16 to 17, enforcement actions were nine times greater than white Americans. Disparities in law enforcement actions are so prevalent everywhere from major cities to small towns. Crime rates were also affected by the war on drugs. President Nixon launched his war on drugs campaign in the 1970s. He signed the Control Su- Controlled Substance Act in 1970, and it criminalized drugs like marijuana and harsh pun- punishments for said drugs. These drugs were criminalized heavily, which negatively affected black communities. Black people became associated with heroin, and hippies were associated with marijuana. The hippies were anti-war, and African Americans had just succeeded in their civil rights movement. Neither group was liked by the powerful white men in America, so a quote-unquote war on drugs was the easiest way to silence both groups. We still see the effects of this today because in 2019, officials noticed 81% 81 of convicted crack offenders were black. There is also a 100 to 1 disparity between powder cocaine and crack cocaine. There is harsher punishments for powder cocaine because it is typically associated with black communities. African Americans comprise... comprise 43% of persons convicted of drug felonies in state courts and 53.5% of persons admitted to state prisons for new convictions of drug offenses. These numbers are insanely high considering African Americans only make up 14% of the population. The crime gap between African Americans and whites grew exponentially during the 60s. The 1968 National Advisory Commission on the Civil Disorders stated that the gap between poor African Americans and rich white people getting arrested was fostered through racial disparity. Although black people make up about 13-14% of the U.S. population, there were 33% of persons arrested for non-fatal violent crime and 36% of those arrested for serious non-fatal violent crime. African Americans are more likely than white Americans to be arrested. Once arrested, they are more likely to be convicted, and once convicted, they are more likely to experience lengthy prison sentences. 
African-American adults are 5.9 times as likely to be incarcerated than whites. Now, this could just be a number with no actual meaning behind it socially, but in one case in New York, it was stated that by a judge that the officials there turned a blind eye to the evidence that officers are conducting stops in a racially discriminatory manner. This just goes to prove that racism goes as far as the legal and justice system, preventing blacks from getting a fair trial and such. The ACLU found out that blacks were 3.7 times more likely to be arrested for marijuana possession than whites, and I think that is just really unfair and unjust in the world, and we need to do something about it. And on that note, thank you all for tuning in, and peace out. See you next time for our very last episode.